We are this morning um, continuing in our journey in the series called Living Joyfully, Living Joyfully, and we are uh, moving through the book of Philippians slowly but surely. Um, I, I, I like to comment that, you know, as we, as we move through, these, through this series, um, uh, the, the, the topic of every message is not joy, but throughout this letter, there's an undercurrent of joy. There's an undercurrent of joy that, um, that, that, uh, that, that all of what's written kind of rests on. As, as it moves throughout the letter. And so Paul, uh, throughout the letter, he drops nuggets of joy, <laughs> nuggets of joy. And we can, we can scoop those up as we, as we move through. Amen? Well, we're going to be in Philippians, Philippians chapter 2. And I'll begin reading at verse 1. Philippians chapter 2. And I'll begin reading at verse 1. Um, please keep John... Uh, John 13 that you heard read for you. Keep that just running in the, in, in the background, like a computer system, how you have the programs running in the background. Keep that, keep that running. But Philippians chapter 2, I begin reading at verse 1. So if, if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy Complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus who, though he was in the form of God, did not, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father, to the glory of God the Father. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Uh, for your word and for this time, Lord. Uh, we pray you would now open the eyes of our understanding, Lord. Uh, allow us to uh, hear from you. Allow us, Lord, to attain uh, the things that you have given uh, and that you are now releasing, Lord, for us. Uh, we want your will to be done. Uh, we thank you for all that are gathered, Lord, all that are, 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 are participating in this time, Lord. I ask for fresh anointing to preach and anointing to receive your word and let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. As Lord, you're my strength and my redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. 
there's a truism that it, that it is possible, it is possible to be too big for God to use you, but never too small for God to use you. It's a, it's a truism. Um, I mentioned before, I, I'll, I'll say again and share what St. Augustine once said, uh, the three essential components of the Christian life were. And those three essential components, according to St. Augustine, are uh, humility, humility, and humility. Uh, if you're taking notes, it was humility. Essential, essential. The sermon title today is Empty Yourself. Empty Yourself. Um, we share some background on this book of Philippians that Paul has, has, has written to this church in Philippi from uh, his own imprisonment. Um, and after sharing uh, a little bit in, in chapter one, after sharing his convictions on, uh, on the benefits of living and dying in Christ, the apostle Paul encouraged this church in Philippi to live like those who belong to the kingdom of Christ. He shared the, the need for them to stand together in the face of opposition and suffering. Uh, despite their having uh, different backgrounds, they, you know, there's a, a retired Roman soldiers there in the church and uh, a wealthy businesswoman there in the church, a, a, a prison guard and his family. Uh, Paul reminds them that what they have in common is an even greater citizenship than Rome. They're citizens of heaven. How, how, they, how they regard one another will reflect to the world who they are as a, a good news community of Christ, and, and then by extension, who this Jesus is that they follow, the way they regard one another. Paul calls them to consider how they think about their community uh, of faith. If, if they've really experienced the transforming power of the Spirit of God, they are to be radically different than their present society and surroundings. An idea is that, is that he, he's calling them and, and they are to be the, be the humble, sacrificial, loving community that they are created to be in Christ. Be the humble, sacrificially loving community that you are created to be in Christ. He says, so if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Paul, Paul begins this section of the text uh, asking questions that, are, that, that he already knew had affirmative answers. Uh, Paul's if questions aren't, aren't meant to doubt their experience in Christ, but to call them to consider their experiences and what it should be producing in the life of the church there in Philippi. 
It's really like he's saying, since you have. Uh, he reminds them of how they've experienced nearness to Christ, his, his leaning in and his uplifting them through his word, the, the confirming of his love for them. Paul is, is wanting them to consider how the Spirit of God had worked in them, uh, 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 stirring up tenderhearted compassion in them from deep inside, uh, the spiritual things that have been happening. Uh, the, he's, he's wanting them to, uh, to know uh, Jesus, <clears throat> what, what Jesus has been accomplishing in them. And, and to know Jesus is to know his love working in your life toward you and then toward others. It's the knowing of him. This, this should be common to the Christian. Can, can you relate to the experience that they've had that Paul is uh, uh, bringing up, stirring up? Uh, uh, can you relate? Has, has Christ ever encouraged and comforted you? Just nod and say, yeah. Uh, in, in times of loss or discouragement, confusion or fatigue, uh, has he made you able to continue when you thought you might not be able to continue. Have you ever been able to sing along uh, with the psalmist to God, the words of Psalm 94, 19, when the cares of my heart are many, uh, your consolations cheer my soul. Your comfort, it brings me joy. Have you, have you ever felt his, his spirit stirring in you and witnessed it working in others, drawing you together? Yeah, Paul, Paul believes he's, he's talking to a group that has already tasted and seen that the Lord is good, uh, um, uh, who've experienced his comfort and his encouragement and felt the impacts of the Holy Spirit coming alongside them all. He, he's, he's writing to those that have been moved in the deepest parts of themselves with tenderness and care. Paul knows the audience he's talking to, so he, he leans in now to, to push them onward in Christ. Uh, they shouldn't just uh, lounge in the privileges of being in the fellowship of God. They also need to walk in the purpose and responsibilities of that life in a, in a unified way. Paul pushes them a little bit. Uh, he goes on to direct them uh, again toward unity in the faith, as he had in chapter 1, a, a unity of, of thought and purpose, uh, a single-minded, having oneness of soul and, and spirit, it could be described. He, he, he wasn't suggesting that, that they be a group of clones, uh, but instead having a completely unified attitude in all things concerning the, the progress of the gospel and living out his purposes. Remember, Paul is after this advancing of the gospel. Your sports fans, sports fans understand this type of oneness of mind. It's shown in, in athletic teams and having many players with various skills and positions, uh, some, some big, some small, some short, some tall, uh, uh, but, but as, the, as a unit, they have only one purpose and mindset and only one driving attitude, uh, working together for the team to advance against the opponent and not be defeated. There's a oneness, even though they're distinct. Um, even in prison, uh, when Paul writes to them, even in prison, Paul, Paul 
would gain a, a fulfilling joy watching his team, <laughs> the Philippians, uh, 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 carry and, and fight for the gospel uh, uh, in, a, in a state of spiritual oneness, in this unity. It's that unity, it's the very, that oneness, it's, it's the very heart of, uh, of Christ that was heard in his prayer in John chapter 17, where he prayed that all those that would belong to him would be one as he and the Father were one. Uh, no, notice the things that bring, here's a joy nugget, right? Notice the things that bring Paul joy are things that honor Christ. Uh, uh, the source of your joy has to, if you're going to live joyfully, the source of your joy needs to be in a, a different place than the, the world's sourcing, huh? Um, this, this unity in the faith, it, it, it's not just theoretical. Uh, it, it is practical. What it does and what it doesn't do can be clearly seen and it's, it's often evaluated by, by the world that to, to measure the truth and the power of the gospel. The world is watching. So Paul says, do nothing of selfish ambition or conceit, uh, uh, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. The text lays out here that what, what, uh, what, what demonstrates God honoring unity and what gets in the way of it. Uh, first, it, it is not selfish. It, it doesn't look to promote self, always believing uh, that, that I or, or my way is best. Uh, some in, some in, in Philippi may have been showing a, a, a my way is the best way attitude, uh, which we know easily transitions into a my way or the highway attitude, uh, or, or, or can be used as a platform to gather those who agree with them over and against those who don't agree with them. Selfish ambition and conceit ignores the warning of Romans chapter 12 and verse 3 to, to, to not think of oneself more highly than you ought to. Um, it, it, it goes against the grain of what God is looking. It, it, it makes somebody maybe a little too big to be used. <laughs> uh, Paul calls the church to demonstrate unity in the faith with godly humility. Um, one, a godly humility, one that, one that empties itself and makes the self low. Uh, humility that, that keeps someone from measuring themselves, their thoughts, their ways as higher or better than others. Instead, it, it sees others as more important. Uh, looking to them saying, you first, uh, you count just as much, in fact, even more than I do. Uh, it's that type of humility. Uh, humility also leads to serving others as eagerly as they would serve themselves. Uh, it, it, it isn't satisfied with only a personal success or victory, but is actively concerned with what can be done to help my neighbor flourish. Humility. Paul doesn't suggest that they abandon taking care of their own stuff and just focus and focus only on their neighbors, but 
that they would devote as much energy toward their neighbor's cause as they would their own. Uh, it sounds a little like that, uh, uh, the commandment to love your neighbor as yourself. This, this, this humility, this kind of humility, it would have looked and, and likely sounded weak to many there in Philippi with their Greco-Roman values, uh, that a worldview where might makes right. Uh, in fact, it, this humility is, is just as strange sounding in our own Western culture. Amen? Uh, it, it, where where self-promotion and, and prosperity at any cost, even the harm of others, is the norm more and more. But, but the church has always been called to be a unique example of God's way. It's a unique community. This church uh, at Philippi, they would have had Paul's example from chapter 1 as a demonstration of, of, of a humble seeing and serving others first attitude. Uh, remember how uh, last week he, he contemplated from the prison about the benefit of dying and being with Christ or remaining to serve the Philippians uh, and, and how he considered that remaining and serving even in his current state there in prison uh, would be more beneficial for them and he was content for God to make it be so. Uh, he, he would have been a strong example. Even with his strong example, Paul is careful to turn their eyes toward the master pattern of, of humble, sacrificial service that he's been following in Jesus Christ. Uh, Paul, Paul would give an example, but he'd say, it's surely not about me. <laughs> Let me point you to the one that I, I follow after. It's this attitude Paul points them to in Jesus, the same attitude and demonstration that the church is called to live out. He says, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men. It's almost abruptly Paul uh, uh, launches into what's, what's become known as the Christ hymn. Uh, it's not clear if Paul penned it for this occasion and the Holy Spirit used it for this occasion or if it was already known among the Christians. It's written in a poetic form that's easy to remember. No matter the case, it fits the purpose of the argument perfectly. Christ is the ultimate pattern of humble service. Uh, everything Paul gets at in this letter, all that the church is being called to flows toward or from this very example of Christ in the letter. It's a, it's a focal point. It's a centerpiece. Paul presses them to, to let their attitudes line up with the attitude and pattern of Christ himself. Um, I don't know if there's any uh, uh, seamstresses in here. Uh, any, anybody that, I don't know what the, what the word is, but, but, but my, my mother used to, to do it, and she would, she would take a pattern. She did it from pattern. She didn't do it from, and she would cut the pattern and lay the pattern down, and then she would cut the cloth around the pattern. Paul is saying Christ is our pattern. He, he said, if you want to know how to do this humble, sacrificial, loving, serving thing, look at him. 
And now, now, although the hymn provides right teaching, facts about the person of Jesus Christ, it seems that Paul uses it here to encourage a right mindset uh, uh, that produces right acts. He's looking for action. Um, it, it urges the church to have this mind. This mind, if, if we belong to Christ, his attitude belongs in us. His mindset, uh, uh, the, the weight of the example begins uh, with Christ's pre-existence. Just like in John, uh, just like uh, John uh, chapter one, verse one shares that in the beginning was the word and the word, Jesus was with God and the word was God. There he was in the beginning, God. Uh, his, his, his form, the form of God that he speaks about, his form, expressing the true exact nature of God. There he is. And in that form, Christ existed with full authority and prerogatives in the glorious union of the Godhead, equal with Father, equal with the Holy Spirit. There, the, 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 the hymn goes on to tell that uh, Christ in his own estimation, considered that status that to be a status that he was willing to let go of. He was willing to let, not only did he consider it a status that he was willing to let go of, he acted on it. He emptied himself not, not erasing himself because he's in the form of God uh, and it's unchangeable. Not erasing himself, but uh, uh, while retaining his nature, he set his privileges, his rulership, his status aside and took on another form, a human form with all that comes with it, with, with, with the weakness of it, the pain of it, the need of it, thirst, hunger, the desires of it, and he was born. The, the, the hymn gives us a, it gives us a backdrop to the story we often don't hear about until December. We're, we're, we're a month early, uh, demonstrating what it meant for Jesus to, to step out of his glorious place in eternity and into time. The, the stepping down that took place in the incarnation of Christ when the creator took on the form of creation. John wraps it a little better in John 1:14, and he says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Uh, this, this, is, this is hard for a finite human mind to hold on to. If I get excited or if I explode, y'all will understand. <laughs> The word became flesh and Jesus said, I won't hold on to that and I'll step into this. He let go of, uh, of the place of, of glory and honor and, and, and instead of coming, coming as, a, as a ruler, he came to stand in the status of a servant. Uh, maybe, I, maybe this will help you. Uh, this, uh, one of my favorite um, TV shows is Undercover Boss. Anybody see that? It's, it's where the CEOs of, of a company 
disguise themselves and come to work as average employees at that, at that company. And, and, then they're actually told what to do by the very people who work for them. We get to watch the founders and, and CEOs of the company being told to clean the toilets. Yeah, 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 it, it, you, you, you could imagine it, right? Uh, your company and, and your employees telling you what to do. Uh, but, but, but Christ didn't show up to entertain. Uh, that, that's still entertainment. Christ didn't show up to entertain, but to give himself sacrificially for those that he created. Uh, we, we find him in, in, in John uh, 13, washing the disciples' feet. Washing feet. Consider, considering this, uh, let's check in. Is there any status or privilege that we carry that we're not willing to empty ourselves uh, of for the unity and furthering of the gospel? I'll ask it again a little later. I'll let us think about it. Is there any service that's, that's beneath us for the kingdom of God? Uh, surely nothing that we want to hold on to can compare to what Christ was willing to let go. Uh, it, but, but if the incarnation wasn't enough of an example of humble service, uh, the, the hymn shares even further humiliation that he took on. He demonstrated obedience to God in his sacrificial living and serving of others. But how far was he willing to go with, the, with his humble, obedient service? How, how far down would he go? Verse 8 says, And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. As if coming wasn't enough, being encountered as just a man by people in the world he created, he humbled himself even further to face man's greatest enemy, death, face to face. Paul reminds the church that not only did he face death, but he faced the most shameful death available. Paul, he, he, he on the cross, the, the cross, he, he, he faced the cross that was reserved for criminals. The cross that the Jews recognized as a curse, according to Deuteronomy 21 and verse 23. The cross that the Romans thought was too scandalous for their own citizens or even to speak about in polite company. The cross, it was designed to kill, but it was designed to shame. The cross that no one in that day would have thought uh, to design as jewelry or sing songs of adoration about. He was obedient to death all the way down to that cross. But finally, there at the lowest he could descend, the most shameful and low place that he could descend, the, the, the cross would be the end of his humiliation. The, the hymn turns saying, therefore, I thank God for therefore. And you know the therefore, you know the reason that what the therefore is there for? Because he was willing to humble himself. It says therefore. Uh, 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 God, it says God uh, 
uh, he, he humbles the proud, but he exalts the humble, right? Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. Uh, why, why we go on and on about this Jesus? So, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. What's this big deal about Jesus? After all of his humiliation, at the end of the hymn says that God reached in and lifted him up. First uh, uh, from the grave and then, uh, and then from the earth altogether. He ascended and, and, and the Bible says he's seated at the right hand of the Father, far above. Uh, don't let me get ahead of myself. Because, because he humbled himself so, God elevated him from the lowest level of humility to the highest level of honor. Uh, if you translate it, it would say that he super exalted him. Uh, uh, there, there is no place higher to be. He, he gave him a name, a, a status above every other. Any name you could name, any governor, any president, any ruler, any conqueror, any name you could name, any authority, any power, the, the title uh, he was given, Lord, which was, which was starting to be reserved in that day for only the Roman emperor. Get that, they called him Lord. Uh, now belongs to Jesus Christ. According to Isaiah, the name uh, that was used to identify God and the glory that God said he would not share with any other, he bestows on Jesus in this exaltation. He's not Lord over a city or a state or a nation or a region, not just over Jews, but uh, uh, he, the scope of his exaltation covers heaven and earth, no matter if it's physical or spiritual. Those long gone and those still to come, every single knee, it says, should bow to him. And, and all of the various tongues of the earth and the world uh, uh, should be confessing that Jesus is Lord. He's Lord. And, and, and like his, his pattern that Paul was following, all that Jesus accomplished will end up resulting in the glory of God the Father. Paul was following this pattern to a T, and he was calling the church to follow the same pattern. So it, 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 it's almost about if I drew it, I, I would draw it crooked. But if I drew it, it's a, it's a V. He, he came, and, and he, he descended, and, and, then he, and then he went back up, and he, and he was exalted. And, but, but someone hearing all of this, a practical person, Hearing all of this could, could rightly wonder, if Jesus was already in the form of God with the highest status and glory, why go through the incarnation and the humiliation only to get back to his exaltation and regain his rightful position? Um, why go through the pain, the suffering, the heartache, the tears? Why go through it all in the short Mind-blowing answer is that in all this, he considered us more than himself. He considered us. It's why we call grace amazing. He considered us more 
than himself. That's why. That's why, because he so loved us. And Paul is saying, we're called to that kind of community. We're called to that life. For God's glory in Christ, the church shares in both this humiliation and this exaltation. We're called to, to humbly empty ourselves of rights, preferences, and privileges in the sacrificial service to others and obedience to God. We're called to it. We, need to, we, we, we have to cross-examine our own attitudes and actions with those of Jesus. Are, are, we, are we out of line with the pattern? Paul says, line up with the pattern. I said I'll ask again, and I'll ask again before I close, and then I'll, I'll, leave, you, I'll leave you be. <laughs> what rights or privileges might you be clinging to that could be interfering with the gospel's progress in your life and and or the life of those around you? What rights or privileges, church, might we be clinging to that, that could be interfering with the gospel's progress in our lives and the lives of those around us? Um, let's pray. Father, let the reflection, Lord, the exhortation of your word uh, reverberate in our, in our souls and our spirits, Lord. We're called to be your church. Uh, we're called to participate in the humble, uh, sacrificial, and obedient service to others with a unity and a oneness, Lord, that would make the world shocked and amazed. Um, a oneness, Lord, and a humility that, that would glorify you and magnify you in the eyes of those that we would encounter. Help us to see those things in us, Lord, that do not lead to those ends. Uh, help us to find joy, Lord, in, in increasing that unity, increasing the desire for the community you designed in Christ. We thank you for this. We thank you for um, your humiliation, your sacrifice, your life given on Calvary for the sins of men and women, Lord, for our sins. We thank you, Lord, for the exaltation to come in the glory of God. In Jesus' name, amen.